Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're with Comic Sonia Vi. Sonia Vi, how the hell are you? Oh yeah! Thank you so much for coming on. And I, uh, where, gonna pe- where are people going to find you during the quarantine? Being funny, I know I follow you on Twitter. You're Sonia Vi on Twitter and on Instagram. You are Sonia Vi Comedy. Yes, and uh, I just launched a TikTok uh, channel, also on Sonia <laughs> Vi Comedy, and I have exactly wow. two vi- two videos up there. Yes, uh, and they've gone they've gone viral. What kind yeah, of TikTok are you doing? It's I I just put I did a an AOC parody. And so oh. I put that up on both TikTok and uh, Instagram. But then as soon as I started working on videos for uh, TikTok, I read this horrible article about how China takes all your information. <laughs> and it freaked me out. And I un- uninstalled TikTok. And then I realized I was like, I have bad credit. I have no money in the bank. And what am I afraid that they're going to steal from me? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like your, your AOC impression, man, it's like, you can have that, China. You can yeah, exactly. I really don't care. Too. Yeah, we, I had Elise Morales on, and she does. She's the voice of AOC for a, a comedy produced by Colbert. And so she did her AOC. Thanks. So I, I can't wait to look at your TikTok and, and see how they stack up. Oh, great. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so it's, yeah, TikTok's, yeah, TikTok's a new thing. And then China comes out, and I think Joe Pontello said something like, you know, here's all these comedians getting good at this. And then China comes in and ruin it, ruins it. Yeah, absolutely. But I they can. But then in, in addition to TikTok, are you also doing Zoom and Instagram live shows? I am, yes. So uh, I do a Zoom show every Friday at 8 p.m. Um, and uh, it's called Chirping Bird Comedy. It's a Zoom show. And uh, I'm terrible at promoting it, but I will <laughs> promote it now. And yeah. it's, it's pretty much the same link, I believe, every week. Or it might be a different password just so, they don't get, just so we don't get Zoom bombed. And then today, I'm actually doing my first uh, live show since the pandemic started. Wow, is it in a park or on a rooftop? It's it is outside. It's in New Jersey. Um, uh-huh. I think in a, like a backyard. It's in Hackensack, New Jersey, at Club Flamingo, and it's seven p.m. outside. Very cool. So all this, although this episode will come out after the fact, hopefully it'll be something that people can see you do continuously live comedy. I can't believe it. And they can also see these show dates also on SoniaVai.com, or is it yeah. more likely to be updated on your social handles? Probably more uh, on my social handles now that I know I have to do it since I said it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I love that you're you're locking yourself in. You're like I'm gonna, you know, I say it's gonna be there, so fuck, I have to do it right now. I gotta do it, yeah. Yeah, and that's one of those mental tricks, and we're gonna be talking a lot about mental health today because I have I have obsessive compulsive disorder, and it sounds like you uh, are experiencing, and I would say suffering because I like the word suffering in the in the context of mental health. What can you say about your own mental health? I uh, was diagnosed with chronic depression in my early 20s. I suspect I've had it for much longer. And uh, it's just something I've been dealing with for my entire adult life. And um, it's, you know, it's it's tough sometimes, I guess. Maybe it's not that different from somebody who deals with a physical condition. um, But since it's mental, it's much harder to talk about. I still think even with all the mental awareness that we have now, I still think there's a bit of a stigma. I still think people uh, can judge people with depression as lazy, or as um, unmotivated or not caring or flaky. 
because there, you know, there are times where I don't get out of bed for two days. Um, I think it's hurt me financially. I think when I was younger, it hurt me from like, I, I, I got fired from jobs a lot when I was, when I was a teenager. Uh, and it's just cause I wasn't able to show up. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I really noticed it. It started to manifest, I think when I went to college, um, because I'm sure I was depressed, uh, at home as well, but I had a very, you know, controlling father who was like, get out of bed. So you got out of bed. <laughs> yeah. And so I but when you're, when you're at college, you have a roommate who's like, why the fuck are you staying in bed for days on time? Yeah, exactly. And also it was the first time in my life where I didn't have someone telling me what to do. Yeah. Who wasn't planning my entire life for me. And, you know, for like, in a way, it's interesting. In a way, my dad uh, being so controlling was awful, right? But at the same time, um, I think it's also why I got through at the, I got through high school. You know, I missed. <laughs> that's I how, missed, that's how you got into college, I guess. Your dad yeah, just, exactly. I made sure you took the ACT or SAT. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more like a threat, like you can't come home with a bait or else you're not my daughter. But um, <laughs> it's uh, I missed 52 days of school my senior year. Wow, you're like Ferris Bueller. Yeah, and it was, you know, now looking back, it was obviously depression related. Yeah. Um, so I fought it even back then, I think. Uh, and my did, mom, the school, did the school have any any kind of mechanism to kind of ascertain that? I suppose hopefully now they do. Whereas if somebody's missing 50 days, you should at least call that person in and figure out, you know, make, make sure there's not anything going on mentally or at home. Because it could be, you know, child abuse or it could be something like depression. Yeah, I guess. I don't recall. I'm sure they called and said you can't miss school. <laughs> yeah, but, but it was more punitive instead of uh, consideration. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I think now I, I think you know it's so much easier to talk about depression. I think a lot more people know about it. But my uh, ethnic background is I'm Indian, and uh, in my family, you know that it doesn't exist. They're uh, still very conservative. <laughs> that's so funny that that's a conservative value, ignoring or disregarding mental illness. Yeah, that's it. And my mom suffers from mental illness. Uh, she doesn't acknowledge it. Um, when I was younger, apparently, this when I was very young, uh, my I have, I have an older sibling who told me that my mom, you know, had a breakdown. My grandmother came to the states, stayed with her. My dad sent her to India for a little while because he just didn't want to deal with it. And then she was seeing a psychiatrist and on medication, and then. All of this probably before I was three or four, and then one day it just stopped. Um, and she 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 notes a very significant difference between like what her mother was like when she was young. My she said my mom was vibrant. She had a job. She had friends. And then after I was born, things changed. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So you know, it's it's. I think it is genetic. Um, my. Mom has three siblings, and her younger brother, just he, he could be in the room with you, and you, he just sits in a corner, sort of sort of sways back and forth, and he's in his own world. Wow. Uh, yeah, so, some of these things can be diagnosed in the younger generation first. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I think I noticed I had OCD from, you know, I was looking at the psychology section, and there was a, a book called Brain Lock, and I was like, whatever that is, I have that. 
And for, <laughs> of course, I picked up. I had no idea what the fuck it was, but I picked it up and it was OCD. And of course, you know, I knew exactly like every every page in that book was about what I had. But I think I was the first person in the family to say something like that. Whereas now, later on, you kind of notice that close relatives or ancestral, close ancestral relatives right. have something that's probably similar. And, and in their plight, you see your future. Like, so for yeah. you, you look at your mom or you look at your uncle or something like that. And you're like, that's what's going to happen to me if I don't figure out how the fuck to deal with this. Yeah. And I, and my mom, my mom has, she has been somewhat diagnosed. Uh, she does suffer from some version of schizophrenia. We believe it's par- uh, paranoid, uh, she's paranoid delusional. It's probably the closest thing that um, I can tell you. It's just that she doesn't acknowledge it so much. So my, my sister's the one who told me that. So I don't know if a doctor ever said it. So, I, you know, again, it's, it might be anecdotal. I don't know. But, um, but for those things, you don't need a doctor's note. Like I, I've never been yeah. to I've never been to the doctor to, to get some sort of prescription. But it's like I know exactly what the fuck it is. You don't have to tell me. And also, I don't want your fucking, you know, there's not many medications for OCD. So what you're going to do is you're going to do a virgin therapy. So I'm gonna have to rate every fucking thing, every OCD trigger I have in my life in terms of severity, and then deal with them each in turn. It's like go fuck yourself. I'm not gonna do it. And we had Michael, yeah, Michael Bramante on, and he, you know, he's a comic, and so he yeah, was I love talking, him. Yeah, oh, he's real, real funny, and he was talking about his OCD, and I think his aversion, I think his aversion therapy was working. That was so funny. Like we did a whole episode about it, and at no point did I say, "Is it working?" Because I think that would have led me to be like, oh, shit, it's working for him. I have to, <laughs> I have to do it myself. <laughs> it forces you to take responsibility in a way you just, yeah, you don't want to. I, I get that. I really yeah. do. And so, like, even if you haven't been diagnosed, you would have been able to to kind of, I mean, it's nice when you figure out what it is because then you can read about it. You can read about what helps. I guess the Internet helps those things. You'd be like, okay, well, here's the triggers or it's a chemical imbalance where I, I, um, I need to, you know, Taking a brisk walk can help. Getting more sleep can help. Eating healthfully can help. Oh, but this is something that requires medication, so I need to go right. in. I suppose, I suppose depression is different from OCD in that regard, where, de- where there is medication for a certain depression, correct? Yes, absolutely. There are, there are so many medications. I mean, there's a plethora of medications. Uh, sometimes it can be hard to, to find the right one. Uh, like the close relative of mine who's dealing with something like this is is um is going through you know them trying to figure out what medication or medications work and, and was that any any sort of issue kind of when you figured out that you should be medicating uh yes because i didn't um i knew something was wrong when i was 18 uh, because when i went to college um my world changed you know i used to think i grew up in a different environment because i was indian and yeah. all the indians that i grew up with were very similar to mine uh looking back uh, my, I was raised Hindu, right? But when I turned, I think, seven or eight, my dad joined a certain organization. And it's like a subsect of Hinduism, which doesn't really exist. But I guess that's what they call themselves. And I think it was a cult. You know? uh. I, I wasn't sexually molested, so I can't be sure. But uh, it could be that <laughs> I was just an ugly kid or something. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Oh. That's the, that's the that's the mark of a cult. It is a cult if there was child molestation involved. I know. So it was a diet cult. I don't know. But it, <laughs> it, it um apparently and this is again my sister who's just a much older than I am told me that there was a you know definitive mark between my father before he joined this cult and after. And wow. I, even I'm 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 old enough to remember certain changes. And in the beginning, I liked them. Uh, I liked that he joined it because. 
he seemed to become a little nicer, you know? <laughs> he wasn't, I mean, it's also Indian culture where they hit your kids, right? So it's not like he beat you to a pulp or anything. I think the abuse was more verbal and emotional abuse. Yeah. But he seemed to get nicer, but then this 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 organization, I I hated the next ten years of my life. Like it was miserable. I was miserable. Yeah. So what did you observe about the cult that was uh, so miserable? It just I I think it it was something that was created in India in rural and it really helped in rural uh, locations where there you know there isn't really a semblance of necessarily education or um, I don't know, you know, uh, there's no real economy. And so it, it basically preaches that women should be a certain way and men should be a certain way. And this is what you should focus on. And if you live this way, you'll have a good life. Right. right. And in, in rural areas in India, it actually worked. And what, um, what was that way of life? It was that men, um, that people were more religious. They prayed more often the men had to stop drinking. Uh, you shouldn't uh, hit your wives. You know, things like like that. That you actually were like, oh yeah, that's good. But it's also <laughs> women should provide a good home for the man, and you know, it's very much the man is the head of the household. It was very much linked to a, a, a very strong patriarchy, right? That's the uh-huh. I think the whole concept was patriarchal, but yeah. they promoted that you should not drink or um, or hit your your spouse or your children. So those are That's two nice. very, yeah, those are not bad things if you suffer <laughs> from alcoholism or yeah. you're beating, you're beating up your wife or kid, you know? But aside from that, I think my dad just believed in it so much. And as an American girl, right, which I was born and raised in this country, it was a problem for me because I wasn't allowed to have any individuality, you uh. know? Everything from, the way I wore my hair to the clothes I wore to the smile on my face was dictated by my father after. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so that's a good thing for control freak fathers who are not also alcoholics and wife beaters. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, there's like, it's like, it's like one of those things, like there's some good things, but there's some bad things, but that's just life, I guess. And it, um, does any of that end though? Like I had Leonardo Joni on and she does, uh, in the Slovenian culture, that that stuff will last until they pass you off to the husband. Like, yeah. you know, like if you just go to college and you don't get married right away or whatever, like is, uh, you know, are you disowned like uh, Leonardo Joni was? Or, you know, at what point um, does that control end by your dad? It doesn't. It doesn't end. Um, <laughs> it's still going I, on. Yeah. Well, I no, feel I mean, about I, it, too. I, it's still going yeah. Right. I'm, I'm sort of, I wouldn't say estranged from them, but I have a very terrible relationship with them. Um, they don't know I do stand-up comedy. I don't, uh-huh. I don't know if that informs you <laughs> anymore. Uh-huh. I don't know what my profession is. <laughs> um, they wouldn't be proud because you know. I mean, is he still in the cult? Is he still in the cult such that he still believes that women, you know, should not have a voice? Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, and you know, you can see it from his relationship with my mother. I mean, they've been married for a long time, and uh, I think. 40 years or so and um he you know my mom when I look at her now she's kind of just she's just an echo of him like she can't make a decision on her own uh she doesn't have any friends it's sad you know it's sad because I think she deals with a very serious medical condition that was never addressed and for me it's like my my mom is just his maid you know 
and she can't. And it sounds like something like having friends would help a little bit with depression. You know, it would bring you yeah, out of your, 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 <laughs> yeah, your, your mind cycle would have a couple second rest before it goes back into obsessing over dark or anxious thoughts. Right. And it just having your own social life, I think, just for the health of for anybody's uh, mental health is good to have a social life and to be able to make autonomous decisions. And, you know, she, she doesn't wear what she wants to wear. It's 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 sad. I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to bring the bring you down, Brian, but well, no, I, I, lo I love discussing it. And I guess I want to know about, you know, how how your own depression informs you know, your comedy, like it sounds like there's certain certain days you won't be able to get out of bed to do it, but with medication and also, um, I don't know, having a social life and not being owned by a, a, patriarch yeah. a patriarchal figure, like, you know, how is it informing your comedy? Like, is it making its way into the content or is it just adversely affecting the process? I mean, it, it makes its way into the content. Uh, my, most of my content is about uh, my family and uh, I talk about my father, I talk about my mother. I just started talking about the religion a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I make jokes about it. Uh, so it does inform my comedy very much. I think, and again, I can't be sure, right? Because this is, this is the only reality I have. But yeah. I think if I was less depressed, I think I'd be a lot more further along in my career, yeah. if that makes sense. And uh, I deal a lot with um, consistency issues. And but, I mean, wouldn't it be, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword, though. Wouldn't you think that, yeah, you might have been able to get up on more shows because you would have been able to get out of bed every day of your life, but you'd be a little bit less relatable because there aren't a lot of people in the audience dealing with the same thing? I guess. I mean, I can't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if people are less relatable just because they're more aggressive at their career. Right. I mean, I think oh, there's right, plenty right. of comedians that are that are re relatable. Yeah. Um, but I, I, think <laughs> I'm doing, I, I think I'm doing OK. You know, I don't think I'm doing badly. Um, I love I, that. I love that. You're like, no, I, I had a lot of relatable shit. You know, <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was raised by immigrants. They had their own issues. Yeah. My dad was in a call. I had enough to talk about. I didn't yeah. need depression keeping me in bed a couple yeah, nights a week. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I was plenty relatable. I don't need the crushing depression. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> yeah. No, but I. I guess what I'm saying is there are other comedians who deal yeah. with different things. And look at Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, he doesn't deal with depression. He's a very successful <laughs> man, you know. Or if he does, uh, he never, he's never talked about it, you know. And I, I think that I don't necessarily think having a good childhood will make you a worse comic. I don't think if you suffer more as a kid, it makes you a better comic. I really think it's about how you cultivate your jokes and a work ethic. And, um, you know, of course, there's always luck involved in every single career uh, in entertainment and otherwise. Right. right. Um, so it's it's still tough for me, you know, because I think for also for a long time in when I went to college, I knew something was wrong. Right. I just didn't know what it was. And it was the first time I did poorly in school because, uh -huh. yeah, I almost flunked out of college. Um, I started drinking very heavily, you know, and it just, it, it led to a lot of bad behavior, um, which, so th there was just this cycle of shame that kept, uh, reoccurring and I had to go to therapy. I, I got myself into therapy in college just so I could graduate because I, <laughs> I was failing my classes. And so uh, I was like, I cannot flunk out of school. I then like sort of senior year, it hit me where I was like, if I flunk out of school, my life is over, you know. <laughs> um, 
But you I need think, it. You need it for stand up. You really need that yeah, degree. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> or, 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 yeah. At least for the day job. But it, it looks like like you you really have. I think therapy helps you not only get the degree, but it also I mean it helps you be a, a super productive comic because I'm looking at your your Instagram Sonia Vi comedy. I'm looking at your Twitter. You're Sonia Vi, and you're you're with with some of the better comics. You know, not only Charles McBee, a former guest, but you're on bills with Todd Berry and things like that, and Jessica Kirsten and things like that. So you really are just kicking ass and taking names, and I'm so glad that you went to therapy because you're just so much more enlightened now like you got the degree but fuck that i really like the fact that you're you're talking about it in such a way where there's got to be a huge percentage of your audience that's like yeah that happened to me i was i was raised by a controlling immigrant parent he wasn't in a cult <laughs> but yeah. i also suffer from things like obsessive compulsive disorder in my case or, or depression in your case right and you know I, I take medication i go to therapy uh i have certain tools like tapping and i do some other things, some other exercises when things get really bad. Uh, I'm really lucky because I've surrounded myself now with people who love me in a way that I think I wasn't loved as a child, you okay. know, so people who are much more accepting, who lift you up rather than, you know, tear you down. But I guess that's the work I did. Yeah. The most important work I've ever done in my life is to help me like live and, and sort of realize what, you know, this is what I meant to do. I mean, comedy is some people ask me why I do it and I was like I do it because it chose me I do it because I tried to do other things I tried not to do comedy on purpose because I don't want to be a poor comedian yeah <laughs> I want to have a good life but it, it uh this is it you know this is it for me and well, well well, I, th I, thank, I thank the Lord that you did because you are here to bless us with your your funny take on serious issues Sonia Vi thank you thank so much for you. coming up. thank you so much Brian it was thank a pleasure you.